0: So, as I said, uh, a topic this morning is prayer. And I, th- I think I've spoken a couple of times on prayer over the last year, here or in the morning service on a Wednesday. But I've always spoken about um, individual prayer, which of course is very important. But this morning, I particularly, this passage made me think more about corporate prayer and praying as a, a body of believers together. I don't know how you feel about prayer, praying together. People have different thoughts about prayer as a group. But I've asked Chris if he'll show us the, a very short clip from the beginning of the, the Alpha video on prayer that we were watching on um, Wednesday lunchtime at the Alpha Talk. It's it's very short, um, but just see whether you can identify with any of the things that this young lad is saying about prayer.
1: Growing up, I was a reluctant prayer, despite being surrounded by prayer. At school, we had prayers in assembly, which everyone recited off by heart. But to be honest, most of the time, none of us had a clue what we were praying about. At home, my family prayed for everything. Lost pieces of Lego, parking spaces, meal times, except for some reason, breakfast. I never really knew why. I just thought maybe God wasn't an early riser. The only time I used to choose to pray was when I was in trouble or when I needed help.
0: Thank you. I don't know if you can identify with any of his thoughts. What is your approach to praying together as a group? Do you think prayer is a private matter? Or is it something that the prayer team do or the vicar does? Or maybe prayer... If for you, praying together is saying grace over a meal, over dinner, or even breakfast. Or or maybe it's saying the grace together when everyone goes around and tries to look in your eye or avoid your eye contact, where you say this, those five lines of the grace. If you don't know what I mean, don't worry. But that's not the sort of prayer I wanted to talk about. But the, the text that we had for today... I had just read before we had our um, staff team meeting with the wardens on Tuesday, and um, as you're probably aware, um, Jane, our curate, um, had leukemia several years ago. And on a routine blood test, they found that she's got a few leukemia cells um, have recurred, so she's having treatment at the moment. And so, we were reading this passage. It just struck me that it was now our time to be like. Aaron and her, coming alongside her and praying on her behalf. And the marvellous part about that is that I know that um, last week it was mentioned in the church service that she was ill, so people started praying. We prayed at um, the morning, we prayed during our staff team meeting, we prayed um, at Wednesday prayers, the Wednesday communion, and I know lots of you have been praying in the week. And Jane has, has finished her course of injections. She's now just on um, some hefty tablets, but just, she calls horse pills. She's just on her horse pills, but she's not really having any major side effects. She feels a bit low, and she needs to be careful because she could pick up infection, but she's not suffering major um, side effects, which I think is a real answer to all that prayer. And a real encouragement for us to come together and pray um, as a body. And like with some of you will know um, Gary, who was our caretaker here. Now, Gary had to retire on health grounds and now lives in Suffolk. Um, and but he, he has a WhatsApp group that um, a number of us are on that WhatsApp group, and we we pray for him. We also he, he updates us on his news, and people pass on news, and. Um, Last weekend, the news about Gary was really not great at all. Gary was in a really grim place, and I I think a lot of us were not necessarily praying that Gary would be healed, but just that Gary would be comfortable and praying for peace for him and his sister Julie. And we kept praying. And Gary has made such an amazing um, recovery during the week. He's really perked up to the point that he was um, messaging us back. He couldn't even read his WhatsApp at the weekend. His sister was passing messages on to him. But he's even been able to leave us a voice um, message via WhatsApp, thanking us for prayers. But in the midst of it all, he said, the Lord is alive, which to me was such an encouragement that he's not just existing or getting through. He's actually feeling the presence of the Lord And I I was just so encouraged by that, to just keep praying, keep lifting up these people in prayer. And what is prayer, after all, apart from lifting people or situations up to God and just bringing them before him? And whether you're someone who prays to God or to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, it's just coming into that divine presence. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are also interceding, praying for us on our behalf. In Hebrews, it says, Jesus lives forever. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He's always interceding. So we're joining, when we come together to pray, we're joining with him. In Romans, it says, he's at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Also in Romans, about the spirit, it says, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people. Now isn't that amazing? So when we pray, we join with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, who are already interceding on our behalf. And we're created to be in communion with God, to be communicating with God. So we're just joining in with that. Now, I want to focus on intercession this morning, but I'm well aware that prayer is far more than intercession. It's song worship, it's confession, it's adoration, it's thanksgiving. It's all of that. It's all about communicating. And the Psalms are an excellent example of that. They are written prayers. And some of them were written to be said individually, but a lot of those are corporate prayers. They're prayers to be said as a community There's the first hearers of those would have gone up to the temple to meet with God and pray together. If you've got time, look up Psalm 44, which is a really good example of the community coming together and saying, Lord, we we acknowledge what you've done for us in the past. We thank you for what you've done, but we're coming to you now because we need your help. It's a corporate body coming together before God. And I think this text that we've had this morning has got some key points for us to, to consider when we're praying en masse together. And these are not in any particular order. But firstly, we don't need to be in the thick of it to pray. We don't need to be right in the battleground to pray. We can be over here on WhatsApp while Gary's over in Suffolk praying away these days. We just need to be praying. Because Moses was not actually on the battleground. To put this in context, the Israelites are are camped out in a valley. The Amalekites, who were a a nomadic tribe, had come into that valley, and they wanted that valley. So they start attacking the Israelites. And Moses puts Joshua in charge and says, no, we're going to have to fight these Amalekites. Get them out of the valley. But he... With Aaron and her sort of like elderly statesman figures, they went up onto a hill above the battleground. They, they were not of the age to be of much use fighting, but they knew they could be take part in that spiritual battle. So you've got the, the, the physical battle going on, on the ground and the spiritual battle going on on the hill above. So we can, don't have to be in the thick of it to be able to pray for situations. Because sometimes we can feel quite helpless. We hear situations that are way away and we feel we can do nothing, but we can pray and we can join with others, share with others our concerns and pray for those issues. And we don't need to be the vicar or the curate or on the prayer team to pray. We don't need a theology degree. We are all part of a priesthood of believers, it says in the New Testament. We can all just pray. And in a sense here, Moses might have been in charge, but the others were there just praying. I mean, Aaron was a priest. Her, we don't quite know who he was, but he he wasn't necessarily a priest at all, but he was just joining in, joining in that prayer to God. And we don't need fancy words. I think sometimes we're put off praying because we've heard some really eloquent prayer over here and think, oh, I can't follow that. But it does not matter. Moses here, we don't even know if he used any words. He just puts his hands out to God with his staff in his hand and just comes before God. He might have said words, but they weren't the important thing. It was just coming into God's presence and bringing those Israelites into God's presence, saying, we come before you now, we're in a fix." So we don't need any fancy words. He's kind of in a posture of prayer. He's just literally standing and saying, I am before you, Lord. I want to come into your presence. I want to bring these people into your presence. And I was thinking often, we can just be in a posture of prayer. Sometimes, you know, we raise our hands in worship. But in the New Testament, I was thinking there was an example of people acting out prayer when Jesus was um, was teaching in a house, and the house was very full, but there was a group of friends who wanted their friend to be prayed for because their friend was sick. So they took their friend on a stretcher to this house, but couldn't get in the door. So they climbed up on the roof with this stretcher, they removed some tiles, and they lowered their friend on the stretcher down in front of Jesus' feet. And that, in a sense, is what we do in prayer. We're bringing people to the feet of Jesus. And we can do nothing else for them sometimes, but we can bring them into that place, the feet of Jesus. And we don't need to be physical or spiritual heavyweights to do this. I think sometimes we think, oh, that person... Well, some people do have a a very strong prayer ministry, but we don't have to think we leave it all to them. Because, in fact... Moses was physically quite weak and it seemed that his physical weakness affected his spirit, him spiritually because when he, his arms failed so the army seemed to not do so well. His prayers obviously sagged a bit as well and his friends had to come in and prop him up but they were elderly as well. So there were three elderly gentlemen just doing their best here but it was enough. That was all that was needed. They just needed to pray together as a body. So we just need to be willing to pray. But we also don't need, and indeed shouldn't, bring a list of things that we think God should sort out. We shouldn't be telling what God what He should be doing, and we shouldn't just feel we need to bring the shopping list of Lord, sort out this, sort out this, sort out this. We should come into God's presence with the needs that's before us, and just listen and be in his presence. And we can use words. Sometimes, sometimes there are specific things that we need, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray specifically. If you need to pay your gas bill and haven't got the money, you're going to pray specifically for the money for your gas bill. Sometimes we should be specific. But maybe sometimes we're praying for someone for a, a particular job, and God's answer to that prayer might be to actually show them a different career path. It's not necessarily to actually give them that job. But he's still listening. And we are, our prayers are still answered, but not the way we think they should be. They're the way God knows they should be. So we, we should just come to God and just bring the needs. And knowing that he knows them, and also that we have Jesus on our side. They know before we come to them. We just need to bring those needs. And when Moses came, he just simply comes to God with rams out out raised and with this staff in his hand. But that staff was not a magic wand. It was just a, a, a symbol of his position amongst that community. It's his posture and coming into the presence of God, which was the important thing. And in that instance, God chose to give them victory and drove back the Amalekites. And the other, other thing I, I um, think is important is that this shows us that prayer and action go hand in hand, but they're not necessarily the same people that are, are doing them both. So we've got Joshua in that physical battle down on the ground. We've got Moses and his mates on the top in the spiritual battle, but they're both important. And each of the battles that we face will probably have a spiritual element to it. I'm not, I am not. don't suggest we go looking for spiritual issues around every corner, but when we choose to come into prayer and offer, allow God into our situation, we are allowing that spiritual element in. So we're then allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, protect us, and we get the reward of having the peace and the... Um, The comfort of knowing that God's with us. And that peace can often be completely beyond human understanding. I remember when my father died, which is well well over ten years ago now, but it was it was over at Easter holiday. And um, he lived up in the Midlands. I was down in London, my brother was in Cornwall. Um, It was very unexpected, Um, and the police were involved. It was very, you know, traumatic sad time you know you don't want anyone to have to go through but as much as it was difficult and we were grieving I knew people were praying and I felt so held by those prayers I did it was almost like a tangible sense of people lifting me up in prayer the peace that we experienced during that time was just it was beyond human understanding and people, I would just get phone calls at just the right moment. You know, you just, I remember there was one point, I was back in the flat on my own, having been up in the middle and sorting stuff out. And just before I had time to start even feeling sorry for myself, the phone went, and my cousin was on the phone, who I hadn't spoken to in years. And it was just, I just thought, thank you, Lord, you know what I need. And it's just that, it's beyond human understanding, but that's opening ourselves up to a, the the spiritual side of the battles we face, we then open ourselves to that reward of having God and the Holy Spirit with us. I love that verse in, in Philippians, which says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's so true. I just love it. And I think it's important that whatever we, um, we're we planning, that we also back it up in prayer. So we might be giving out all our leaflets, but maybe when you're putting those leaflets through the doors, you can be praying for that street at the same time and enter into that spiritual battle because we want, we want our streets to know about Jesus. We want them to experience the hope of Christmas that we know. But maybe just have a little prayer as, as you're going up and down the street. And whatever we're doing, like with the the youth away this weekend, we've been praying for them as well. It's not enough for Liv just to have sorted out all the practical side of it and the transport and the food and the, the different talks. She was praying and getting others praying for their protection, that they would really bond well as a group and that they would, particularly that they would hear from God. That spiritual preparation was just as important as that physical preparation. And there's a benefit in doing it as a group. I mean, I've, I've already um, made reference to the fact that Jesus said where two or three are gathered, I am with them. There's a strength in seeking God together because we can encourage one another. And then you, we can encourage each other with the answers to the prayer as well, which is even, they, even more encouraging for the next time. As each in this scenario, each had their role to play. We can each. Come together and do our part, there's strength in seeking the Lord together. So we can all be the Moses and the hers and the Aarons because we can all just pray and intercede for other people. And this isn't just about um, the examples in the Bible are not just battles in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's a wonderful example when Peter gets thrown in prison. And people gather in the house of Mark's mother just to pray, because they're thinking, you know, what else can we do here? He's our, one of our leaders is, is in prison here because of his faith, because he's trying to tell other people. So they just got together and prayed. And what happened? He, Peter was miraculously released from prison. So there's power in coming together. The passage also speaks of the need to persist in prayer. I think mean, there's a lot of symbolism here, but when Moses flagged, the army didn't do so well. And on, when you're praying for something over a, a long period, I think it's important that we're persistent and consistent in our prayer. I mean, it's, it's great Jane is doing so well, but we need to keep praying for her. She's not through it all yet. We need to keep praying, particularly that she doesn't pick up infections, that she gets a good night's sleep. And for our, our carol services, we keep praying for the preparations for those until they happen. Whatever your issues are, we keep praying. And that's the hardest thing, is to keep being persistent. But again, if we're with one another, we can encourage each other to keep going. Paul says a lot about this When in his letters. He's always talking about praying continually. To the Thessalonians, he wrote, Rejoice always, pray continually. In Ephesians, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. In Philippians, to the Philippian church, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. and Which is another reason why corporate prayers are good, because if one person is flagging or not able to pray or is in the thick of it, then others can be praying. often think, you know, when you're, you're really in the thick of it, you, it's really comforting to know you don't have to be battling in prayer as well, but others can be alongside you, praying for you. And the 24-7 prayer movement is very much about that. It's about making sure that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there are people praying around the world so that we just cover our world in prayer. It shares the need and it shares the load. And people today we gather together and we pray like we prayed for Jane and we prayed for Gary and I've asked, rather than just listen to me all morning, I've asked some other people to come and share their experiences of prayer and intercession with prayer. So I've I've asked for Paul and Anita and Ian if they could come and share with me. I can't actually see it, Ian. You're here, yeah. And so he? Oh, is there.
1: Okay, Uh, good morning, St. John's. Um, To be honest, I'm usually very uncomfortable about talking about myself on a personal level. Um, But I was asked by Helen to share an example of when I was very much held in prayer by the community at St. John's. So September of last year, um, I went to see a cardiologist who diagnosed me with angina and he told me that in 95% of cases could be treated uh, with a stent or possibly even medication. So hanging on to that particular thought, uh, I went into Harefield for the angiogram thinking I'd be coming out the next day and I'd actually packed an overnight bag and I was very optimistic that I was going to be out the following day. Unfortunately, uh, when they did the angiogram, they discovered I needed a heart bypass. And in fact, I needed it very, very quickly. So the first challenge I faced was that I didn't come home. I had to stay in hospital. The second challenge was that it was during a period when COVID was very bad, and I wasn't allowed any visitors at all. So I was in hospital completely on my own, and I was actually in a high-dependency ward, not even in an ordinary ward. And the third issue was the speed at which things moved. I went in on the Tuesday, and in fact, on the Wednesday afternoon, they tried to do the surgery then, uh, but the theatre wasn't available. Same thing happened on the Thursday And on the Friday, I was actually on the trolley, ready to go in for surgery, when they cancelled it. Um, And that was due to an overnight emergency heart transplant coming in. So I got bumped off the list. So you can imagine how I was feeling. What kept me going, and gave me tremendous comfort, was knowing that so many people were praying for me. My family, my son James is here now, um, they were wonderful. Their support was tremendous. And I knew they were praying for me and they were thinking of me. And I knew my friends were as well. But as time went on during the week, I became aware that lots of people at St. John's were praying for me as well. And that really helped me up and really encouraged me. Later on, I subsequently discovered that people in other churches and other communities were also praying for me. Sam and Mark Mellowish were even fasting on my behalf and I did feel particularly uh, bad that on the Friday they were fasting and praying and the operation was cancelled. So unfortunately they had to repeat the whole process on the following Monday. But my lesson from this particular experience was that I was definitely being held in prayer and that God was with me. I had surgery inside two weeks when the norm for a bypass is six months. I was treated by some of the best medical people in the country and my recovery was very good. So it's an opportunity, in fact, for me this morning to thank St. John's publicly for your prayers and your support. So, thank you very much. And I'm handing it to you.
2: Good morning, St. John's. Now, when um, Helen contacted me and said, um, would I say something on actually being an intercessor, being the one who's actually doing the praying, I... You know, obviously said, God, you know, I've had lots of um, instances where I've prayed for people. Which example do you want me to give? I see God's at work here. (laughs) Yes. So um, I was like, which example do I give? Now, it's amazing how God does work. Because this week, I have a friend who has been having problems with her nerves and her legs. And she had to see a neurologist. And as a group, we were asked to pray for her. Sometimes people ask you to pray for them or sometimes you know someone has a problem and God puts it on your heart to pray for them. So on, I knew she was going in on Wednesday to have all her prep for, for surgery. The surgery is supposed to be um, spinal and you know that can be quite scary for a lot of people, well for anyone. And um, so Wednesday I was praying for her and then on Thursday morning uh, before 7, I said, oh, she must be getting ready for surgery, let's pray for her. I remember my husband was going out that morning and I prayed, ran downstairs and said to him, you know, you better go out, otherwise you'll miss the train. And I went back upstairs, picked up my mobile phone, and I got a text message from this woman saying, I've had my surgery. And I was like, wow, what time did they have that surgery? I mean, this was God actually showing me an example of when you intercede for someone, he can give you the answers right there and then. But it doesn't always happen like that. There's sometimes when you, you pray for someone, you don't get the answers, but God gives the answers in his own time. And I've also learned that when you someone comes to, to mind, you don't know what it is, but God does know. And so you just pray, and you know, I usually say, God, meet them at their point of need. And then later they come back to you and and give you this feedback. And you're like, wow, you know, God really is there. So I have my conversations with God, as I call them, and God will guide us when I when we're in a group and I know about something, I'll pray with the group. But if I'm walking down the street, Elyon Broadway, and I see someone and God brings an idea, a thought to my heart, I will say a prayer. So as Helen said, the prayer, it doesn't have to be a long prayer. But whenever I've learned that whenever God speaks to you about something or someone, whether it's um, someone in the church or whether it's just someone that you meet on the street, a few words, just say that prayer and God will do the rest.
0: You've got a choice, apparently. Oh,
3: I'm fine here yeah. that's, that's, that's great I can put my little piece of paper here as well which might help me so um, when Helen um, approached me earlier in the week uh, asking me to talk something about intercession and prayer um, it got me sort of scratching my head a bit especially I've had a very busy week um, uh, trying to finish a report that should have been re- finished a couple of weeks ago so, um, so Um, I haven't had a lot of time to kind of process this, but in the background, um, I was thinking um, it would be good to share something connected with, um, Helen mentioned that we've got all of our youth at the moment um, on a youth weekend, or most of our youth, and um, hence it being so quiet in here. Um, And it got me thinking about you know what what's my heart and what's my desire for our young people in this church, and it it reminded me of something that happened a number of years ago in the in the late 80s in my own youth group as I was, as I was in a church in Shro- Newport, Shropshire. I'm a Midlander as well. Um, and back in back in those days, um, there was a real God was really stirring our church and sort of. Churches in in the area that I lived, um, there had been a mission, there had been um, with with an uh, organisation called Youth for Christ, and that that had involved sort of going to schools in the in the town, and um, working closely with the churches in the in my town, and and um, sharing the gospel in different in different ways, and one of the things that sort of I think came out of that time that period, was that. Um, myself and others in in the youth group we we sort of started to we had these little prayer triplets we used to have little groups of prayer that where we'd be praying for you know daily lives and our friends at school and so on we'd also uh, i think in in the churches we were in we would have times of corporate prayer as well as a church but there was a just a general sense that god was doing things in our in our community in our in our schools and um you know, just in our daily lives, really, and um, this this had an impact on in school in my Christian union, and um, we we suddenly started seeing a kind of growing numbers of people coming along, thinking, "Oh, you know, these Christians, you know, they they might have something to say here," <laughs> and and we we would um, meet up we had this wonderful um, leader of our Christian union who was the woodwork teacher. So we'd meet up in the woodwork place um, uh, once a week, but also we'd have other other times when we would be praying as well. We'd have prayer meetings uh, as a Christian union at the school. Now, um, during that time, um, I want to speak about one particular f- friend um, um, who who was in my class and um, me and uh, another another friend of mine, um, I think, would would try and share our faith uh, with with him. And he, he thought we were we were nutcases. And he apparently he actually complained to the head teacher about us. And um, he was a bit suspicious about our Christian Union meetings because he thought that uh, sort of strange things went on there, and it shouldn't really be done in a school situation. So, so this is the sort of backdrop to, to my friend um, at the time now you know I think during as a result of um, prayer from myself and others and, and witness in, 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 the, in the school um, Rob um, he became a Christian and um, the reason I mention him in particular because there were quite a few people who became Christian during that time the reason I mention it is that is that Rob went on to become a Church of England minister. Um, um, I, I asked him to conduct the service where Magda and I got married, so he married us. Um, he and he's now uh, the, the in, in, he's in a Church of England diocese as a dean of mission. So he's now sort of um, he's gone from someone who thought we were nutcases to someone. <laughs> Who's a nutcase himself, which is so. But but the reason I mention this particular story is that as I as I've been praying, and I'm sure many of us are praying for our our own children, our own youth who are in the in the weekend away. Um, we want our children to find faith ourselves. We want our children to grow in their faith, but we also want them to hand on that faith to others. And I want to just think about the legacy that when God does things and answers prayers at a particular time, it's not just for them, it's for the knock-on effect down the generations. And, you know, I want us to be focused on not just, you know, our, our children doing okay, you know, or our children... Even living up to things that we've seen, you know, in our own lives, but sure, I want us to, to, um, believe for our children to be doing things which surpass anything that we've ever done ourselves. That, 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 are things that, that stretch our faith of what's possible and that challenge us in, in return. And, that's that's something that that only happens as we as we seek God and as we grasp for that in prayer because it's not in our own capability. It's only something God can bring about.
1: So.
0: Thank you so much. That was just wonderful examples of hopefully what I was trying to say, prayer really counts